Let's turn in the word to um, Hebrews 4. We talked last time um, about the rest of faith, and I want to continue a little bit along that line today. Are you guys hearing me okay out there? Now I, now I can hear you, but just before I couldn't. You were wondering. Okay, it could be because of the microphone here. Okay. Yeah, Hebrews 4. Uh, verse 1 and 2. So we, we talked last time, we, we talked about the rest of faith. Are you hearing me? Okay. Yes, thank you. Okay. The rest of faith. Um, and we want to continue along that line today. A few more things I want to share. Uh, so we're in Hebrews 4, 1 and 2. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So we talked about last time that God had something better planned for the Israelites, something better than Egypt, something better than the wilderness. Um, and in that respect, God has more for us than uh, just escaping hell, uh, you know, when we die. God has provided much more for us. God didn't uh, bring us out from the dominion of Satan uh, just for us to suffer like all the unbelievers and trudge through this life on earth. Uh, he didn't intend for us to live like unsaved people here. So uh, this rest is talking about a spiritual place of rest where we're trusting in what grace, the grace of God has already provided for us and where we come to a place where we're trusting in the promises of God and not trusting in our own works. It goes on here to talk about how we cease from our own works. Um, and um, we're trusting God. We're trusting in the finished work of Jesus. We're not striving. We're not stressing. We're not trying to get God to do something. Now, we know uh, this chapter 3 and 4, Four here of Hebrews is referring back to Numbers chapter 13 and 14 when the Israelites uh, had come out, the first generation had come out of Egypt and they were right on the edge there. They'd come to the place where God was ready for them to go in and possess this place of abundance and peace and blessing. Uh, but they had barriers and obstacles that they came up against. For them, it was uh, physical things. It was physical giants, uh, walled cities that they, in the natural, could not scale or overcome. Um, 
the, the weapons of the enemy, the chariots, uh, and so forth. And when they saw these things, they began to focus on their circumstances in the natural, and their heart began to melt. Uh, and so, just like the Israelites had some barriers that they had to overcome, we have some obstacles and barriers that we have to overcome in our walk of faith. Now, our fight of faith, uh, we, we have a fight of faith because we're already healed. We're already blessed. Uh, we already have uh, all that Jesus has uh, made provision for on the cross, and our fight is to keep the devil from stealing it from us. That's our fight. We're already healed. The devil's trying to steal our healing away from us. We also have to fight to cast down feelings and thoughts of fear and stand up against unbelief. And that's what you've been standing against this week, isn't it, Ann? You've been standing up against these thoughts and feelings that have been trying to come against your mind. So this is part of the fight of faith is to cast down these thoughts. We believe in what Jesus has already done, and we rest in it. So today we want to kind of continue along this line. Let's, uh, you can hold your place there in Hebrews 4, because we may come back to it later. Uh, but let's go to Isaiah. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's go to chapter 30. We'll just read one verse there. Isaiah 30. We're talking about the rest of faith. That's better. That's better. Okay. We're talking about uh, the rest of faith. Uh, in verse uh, Isaiah 30, 15 says, for thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength, and ye would not. So this was a plan of God that they have rest, that they have quietness, that they be in confidence, and it says they would not. Now, you would have thought that would be what everybody's looking for, wouldn't you? <laughs> but they said, no, we're not having it. We're not going to do it that way. Now, let's turn over just a page or so to chapter 32, Isaiah 32, 17. And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Verse 18, and my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation and in sure dwellings and in quiet resting places. Now I typed out this verse and I put it in a plaque and I put it in the window next to my front door because I confessed for a long time I'm going to live in a peaceful habitation, right. quiet resting places, and that's what I've God. Amen. Amen. So I put this verse up in, in the window so every, everybody comes to my front door they can see it. <laughs> the point is 
where you live is supposed to be a peaceful, quiet place. Amen? We're supposed to have a restful, peaceful habitation. And our generation and society in general uh, is a very noisy, loud generation. All day long we hear beep, 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 ring, 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 uh, you know, radio, TV, CD, internet. Uh, and this is not a good environment for uh, resting or from hearing from God. Uh, you know, when you walk into someone's house, you can sense whether it's a peaceful place or not. Have you ever walked into a room and you realize or you sense that they had just had a big argument or a bust up, you know? So, so um, you, you realize that there was an atmosphere of strife or tension or fear or something like this, the absence of peace. And uh, living in a constant state of anxiety or fear or strife or tension will eventually take its toll on you, uh, physically and spiritually. Now, uh, verse 18 of Isaiah uh, 32 in the Amplified says, um, Then my people, are you his people? Yes. Yes. My people will live in a peaceful surrounding and in secure dwellings and in undisturbed resting places. The Good News Bible says God's people will be free from worries and their homes peaceful and safe. The Voice Translation says my people's homes and hometowns will be filled with peace. They'll relax. Sounds good? <laughs> Safe and secure. The common English Bible. Bob, yeah? We've lost sound. Uh, anybody have any ideas? I've got it up about as high as it will go. Is that better? Perhaps it's me. I'll get John to. Okay. I've got everything up here about as high as it will go. It's okay. It's okay. I found out what the problem was. John sorted it. Okay. Sorry. That's all right. That's okay. Uh, the Common English Bible says, Then my people will live in a peaceful dwelling, in secure homes, in carefree resting places. Um, let's go over to... Um, Exodus 33. This is uh, after God had brought this first generation of Israelites out of Egypt and uh, they're just kind of in limbo at the moment. But um, in verse, in chapter 33, chapter 33, 14 says, this is, uh, well, God says to Moses, my presence will go with you 
and I will give you rest. Now the word rest here in the Hebrew means to rest, to settle down, to be soothed or quieted, to be secure, to be still, to dwell peacefully. This verb describes the Spirit of God resting on the Messiah or on the 70 elders of Israel. That's how it's used commonly throughout the Old Testament. And this word, uh, rest, in the Hebrew, is where the, word, the name Noah comes from. Noah, rest giver or comforter. So God's telling Moses uh, he, his presence will give rest to his people. Then in verse 15, Moses says to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. In other words, if you're not going with us, we're not going. Amen? That was, that was Moses' attitude, and that should be our attitude. So peace and rest are the result of yielding to the Spirit of God. Let's write this down. When you are in faith, you are not anxious and worried. When you are in faith, you are not anxious and worried. Frustration, vexation are the result of yielding to the flesh or wrong spirits. If we're just as upset and scared and anxious is our unsaved neighbors and relatives, it's not a very good witness, is it? We're supposed to be different. It, it should be hard to move us. It should be hard to shake us. It should be hard to scare us. Um, you know, when other people are running around like a chicken with their head cut off, we should be composed and stable because we have the comforter. Uh, this rest, the comforter, the spirit that gives us rest on the inside of us. We won't turn there, but Psalm 112 uh, describes the prosperous believer. And in verse 6 to 8, it, it, this is what it says. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. Established on what? The Word. Amen? He's got the Word in his heart, and his heart is fixed, and he's not moved. Amen? He's not moved by these outward things. So we're talking about the state of your mind and spirit, which can also have an effect on your physical body. I've read as much uh, as 80% of the people over here in this hospital are there because of stress-related disorders. That's, that's our uh, generation. I heard on the BBC Surrey radio here a few years ago that somewhere between 40 to 50% of the population gets less than five hours of sleep every night. And this has taken its toll 
on people. Why is it that way? Well, I think one of the big reasons is social media and mobile phones and video games. And uh, these are uh, very recent things that have entered our lives, aren't they? Previous generations, they didn't have all these things. They had much more restful uh, lives and not nearly as much stress in their life. I've overheard uh, colleagues at work say, uh, well, I, I don't know what time my teenage daughter went to bed last night. You know, she had her mobile phone, at, which is normal, you know. She had her mobile phone with her and I have no idea what time she went to sleep. Well, she probably didn't go to sleep, you know. It's, it's uh, very common texting throughout the night back and forth texting with their friends. Uh, you know, Johnny broke up with Susie, uh, you know, and this is a crisis at two in the morning that they need to tell all their friends about, you know? So um, this is, I believe this is a major problem. Uh, some people just need to sit down and take inventory of their life, their activities and responsibilities and simplify their life. I heard Gloria Copeland talk about, um, you know, they have a, a country home in Arkansas where I'm from, and uh, it's about probably 20, 25 miles from my hometown. I don't know exactly where it is, but I know generally where it is. I've been there many times. It's known for the peach growing area, and uh, her grandfather had a peach orchard there. And she uh, talked about, you know, they would go there in the summer to rest you know, and to get away. And uh, she said they would constantly be running up and down the road back and forth to town, which is a little bit of a drive from out in the country there. And, uh, you know, they would, a part would break on something, uh, the lawnmower or whatever, and they were running back and forth to town getting parts and batteries and whatever. And uh, she noticed this older man sitting out on the front porch of his house there, a little shack down the road somewhere. No electricity, no conveniences, you know, just sitting out on the front porch, totally carefree and relaxed. And she said after they had run up and down the road for several days, uh, back and forth to town, she suddenly had a revelation. You know, this man is sitting on the front porch. He, he doesn't have a care. He has no stress in his life. And she had this revelation we have come here to rest, you know, and we're, we're going to, I'm going to make some changes. And I'm going home and I'm going to clear out the garage and, and get rid of some of this stuff that's occupying our time. We're going to let some of this stuff go, you know. So some people just need to simplify their life. Some people have overloaded themselves with false responsibilities and they're wearing themselves out with things that God never asked them to do. You know, what God has asked us to do is not going to be a burden to us. Uh, but when we start taking on other things that God hasn't asked us to do, then, then it, we, can, we can wear ourselves out. Uh, many people today, uh, you know, they're running their kids back and forth from school to football practice to ballet lessons and piano lessons. And somewhere in between, they pick up a bag of chicken McNuggets or they throw a pizza in the microwave somewhere. And this is, 
this describes most people's lives on a daily basis, you know? And it's taking a toll on people, but it's not supposed to be that way for us. Amen? We shouldn't be laying awake at night, worried and anxious like unbelievers, because this is a sign of not living by faith. Now let's uh, look at Psalm 127. Psalm 127, verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he giveth his beloved sleep. Amen? Sleep is part of our blessing, inheritance. Amen? Matthew 6, 26 and 34, Jesus said, Look at the birds of the air. Are you not of more value than they? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Now, the word worry here uh, means to divide into parts. To divide into parts, it suggests a distraction, a preoccupation with things causing anxiety, stress, and pressure. In verse 27 of Matthew 6, Jesus went on to say, Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Now that King James is not too clear there. The contemporary English version says, Can any of you add woman, can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? Right. The easy to read version says, you cannot add any time to your life by worrying about it. So Jesus spoke against worry and, and anxiety because we have a loving Father who's mindful of our daily needs. He's our source. And you cannot worry and trust God and have peace at the same time. So when we recognize that we're worrying and we're being fretful, that's just an indication that we're not in faith yet. Amen? We can get in faith. Now, uh, uh, in John 14, 27, Jesus has given us his peace. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, isn't that the same thing he was saying in Matthew 6 when he said, don't worry? He's basically saying the same thing. Now, this word peace is the Greek word uh, irene. It's where we get the name irene, peace. And it describes a state of rest, quietness, and calmness. An absence of strife, tranquility. This word is equivalent to the Hebrew word shalom. And it generally denotes a state of well-being. Now, if this is not a description of prosperity, I don't know what is. 
having a, a life of peace and tranquil, tranquility, undisturbed quietness, uh, tranquility in the soul that's unaffected by outward circumstances and pressures. A prosperous mind is a peaceful mind. And this is included in the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Uh, this is what Paul said in Philippians 4, 6. Anna and I were just talking about that verse this week. She was dealing with being anxious. And uh, we talked about Philippians 4, 6. It says, be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. In Philippians 4, 6, the peace and rest of God... The, the peace and rest of God is something that you cannot get in a pill, you cannot get in a bottle, you cannot get in counseling sessions. Uh, you, can, you can take pills to go to sleep, but that doesn't mean that you're resting. You, when you wake up, you just feel drugged, and you feel more tired than ever. So, so even if you just zonk yourself out on drugs, it doesn't mean that you're resting. Now, we should also be able to rest when we are awake. Amen? <laughs> um, the word rest is the root word of restoration. So, uh, restoration carries the idea of repairing or renovating. So, when we're asleep, resting, our body is making repairs and renovating itself overnight. And this is what's supposed to happen. And if people are not sleeping and resting at night, their body is not really being repaired and renovated. Uh, so sleep is a natural, physical sleep is a real, uh, is, is a necessary part of healing and restoration and recovery. In John 11, you know, when Jesus heard that Lazarus had died, he said, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him up out of sleep. And the disciples said, uh, well, if he's sleeping, that's good. He'll, he'll do well. And Jesus had to go on to explain to them that he wasn't really asleep, but he said, I'm going to go wake him up anyway. So uh, the principle here is that resting is an important part of recovery. Uh, and we talked about uh, this year, 2021, Brother Copeland prophesied the year of recovery. Now, I looked up the word recovery, the action or process of regaining possession of something that was lost or stolen. The process of regaining control or possession of something lost or stolen. A return to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. Now, let's write this down. You cannot separate faith from rest. You cannot separate faith from rest. Let's turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts 2, 26. 
And this was part of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost, and he's quoting a prophecy from Psalm 16, where he says in verse 26, Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. My flesh, or my body, shall rest in hope. Now, does anybody remember what Hebrews 11.1 1 says? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So faith and hope are connected. Amen. Faith is the substance, the foundation, the confidence of things hoped for or not seen. If we're hoping for something, it means it's not seen yet. That's why we hope for it. So... Uh, we, we talked in earlier sessions, I think back in November, that faith involves things not seen and not yet. So if you're in faith, you're also in hope. If you're in faith, you're also in hope. Hope is confident expectation. It's the anticipation of something good going to happen. Hope is the anticipation of something good going to happen. Why? Do you have hope? Why do you have anticipation something good is going to happen? Because you're in faith. Amen. Hallelujah. And when you are in faith, you're in anticipating something good, and your body or your flesh can rest. Amen. So we're talking about rest. Not only spiritual rest, but physical and mental rest, emotional rest. When you're not resting on the inside, you're not resting on the outside either. You know, you could be in Hawaii on the beach, palm trees blowing, white sand, blue water, the perfect paradise, and on the inside, you can be in turmoil. Your mind can be racing. You can be uh, Worrying about things that have never even happened or all stirred up and upset on the inside. So even though on the outside you appear to be resting on the inside, you might not necessarily be resting. And this is what we've got to, to come against. Uh, you're, you know, in that state, your body can't rest, your brain can't rest, your heart, your mind. Uh, as long as you've got some kind of anxiety or fear on the inside, it's effect, have an effect on your physical body. But when you're in faith and you know God's heard your prayer and you know you believed you received when you prayed, your body can rest and you have confident expectation that everything is going to be all right. Amen? But if you're, if you're tied up in knots and you're anxious about something, then, uh, you know, you haven't believed yet, you're not in faith yet, but you can get in faith, amen? So this is what we want to aim for. If we're not in that place yet, we can get there. Hallelujah. We've all been there. Uh, we've all done that. Like they said, we've been there, we've done that, we got the t-shirt, but let's get out of there. Let's uh, not go back there, and let's get a new t-shirt, amen? Hallelujah. Let's stop yielding to things that are wearing us out and interfering with our quality of life. 1 Peter 5, 7. 
casting all your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Amen. Uh, we're resting. We're resting. We're casting our cares on the Lord. We're resting when other people are scared. We're resting when other people are upset and angry. And how do we do that? We do that by not looking at the problem, by not looking just solely focused on the natural situation uh, and the circumstances. We're, we're looking at not only something else, but somebody else. Amen? We're looking to somebody else, not the need or the problem. We're walking by faith and not by sight. We're looking at things not seen. Amen? Resting in Him. Uh, we won't turn there, but write down Isaiah 26.3. This is a good, good verse. Isaiah 26.3. Thou will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because He trusteth in thee. Amen? He will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. The Passion Translation says, perfect, absolute peace surrounds those whose imaginations are consumed with you. They confidently trust in you. So let's write this down again. Faith does not worry. Faith does not worry. We all have an opportunity to fear and get upset, but we have to pass it up and yield to the peace and rest of God that passes understanding. And this peace of God is a tangible substance. Um, when uh, Mika first went into the hospital, she was only meant to be there just, you know, a few days or a short time. And her daughter rang me at 1.30 in the morning, uh, shortly thereafter, and said they had taken her to ICU, intensive care. And the peace of God just rose up on the inside of me. Her daughter was crying. She was upset. But the peace of God just came over me. I'm telling you, this is a tangible thing. This is not just theory, uh, you know, on the blackboard or something. The peace of God uh, rose up on the inside of me, and I reassured her I wasn't running around the room, uh, you know, like a chicken with my head cut off. I didn't run to the phone and say, what are we going to do, or whatever. Like, you know, Joyce Meyer says, uh, people run to the phone instead of the throne. You know what I mean? Uh, we need to go to the throne, not the phone, and calling up everybody and saying, isn't this terrible, what are we going to do? No, the peace of God just rose up on me. My heart was fixed, trusting in the Lord, like that's Psalm 112. And uh, uh, my heart was established. I just had peace. Um, now I did get up 
and I did go pray, and I went over some scriptures for about an hour and a half, and I went back to bed, and I slept the rest of the night. And then some of us uh, prayed, and within, uh, what, 24 hours, she was out of ICU back on the ward. But I'm telling you, I have experienced this, and when you get in one of these situations where something just out of the blue comes up on you that not expected, the peace of God will rise up on the inside of you, and when everybody else is running around crazy, you'll be peaceful and calm, and, and your mind's not clouded and, and fearful and everything, and uh, because somebody's got to be in faith, especially when you're in a, a tight situation. Somebody, and, and you may be so peaceful that other people think, are you taking this seriously? You know what I mean? Are you, do you really know what's going on? You know? But yeah, yeah, it's just the peace of God. It is a tangible substance. So we can be peaceful in the midst of a storm. Uh, amen. Uh, it's not a situation that, uh, you know, we don't really get it. We don't really understand how serious this is. No, we've just chosen to yield to things that are not going to hurt us and interfere with our quality of life and our victory. Amen? So you can lay down and sleep and your body and mind are resting and being restored. Now, if you've grown up in, in a family of worriers or a long line of worriers uh, or you grew up in an atmosphere of fear and, and worry, then you were trained to live that way. You know, you, you, you practiced it. You've learned to practice living that way because that's all you were ever exposed to. But you can retrain yourself. Amen? You can retrain yourself to yield to the peace of God. It's a choice, really. So let's write this down. If you can rest on the inside, you can rest on the outside. If you can rest on the inside, you can rest on the outside. And even if there are some things going on on the outside that are serious or upsetting, we can say like Paul said, none of these things move me. So it's obvious there were some things going on. <laughs> if he said none of these things move me, it's obvious some things were happening that were not good, that were negative. Uh, let's say this together. None of these things move me. I can be at rest. Now, uh, let's turn back over just briefly to Hebrews 3, kind of where we started out. Uh, and in... Uh, Again, this is talking about the first generation of Israelites who came out of Egypt. In verse 18, says, And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So uh, unbelief, which kept them out uh, of the promised land, also kept them out of rest. Not being able to rest because of unbelief. 
And that's the same thing that kept them out of the promised land or the blessings. Now in uh, Hebrews 4 verse 3 it says, For we who have believed, we who have believed, do enter into that rest. So that's what we've been saying. Um, if, if you're uh, in faith, you're at rest. Oh, you. Amen. Hallelujah. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my wrath, my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So he's, he's talking about this first generation of Israelites. Um, he said, they, they're not going to enter my rest, uh, even though it was my plan from the foundation of the world that this group of people go into this land at this time. No way, no how was it God's will that those people die out there in the wilderness. Everything necessary for God had prepared this place and this time for them from the foundation of the world. That's what it says here. Uh, in verse 4, For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And this is referring back to Genesis, uh, I think it's chapter 2 there, where it uh, describes uh, how God created the heavens and the earth in seven 24-hour days. And it says that God himself rested. God set aside uh, a day of rest. He thought it was such a good idea that uh, he ordained that man have a day of rest. He set aside a day for man to rest. Didn't uh, Jesus say that this uh, Sabbath uh, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath made for man? So, um, so God took the day off. God just said, I'm going to take the day off. And he's ordained that we have a day off to rest. Amen? But unfortunately, we live in a society where many people never rest. They never rest. Washing your car on your day off is not resting. Cutting the grass is not resting. Cleaning the house is not resting. Traveling across the country and hiking is not resting. I know it's plain, but it's not resting. Jesus uh, occasionally said to his disciples, come aside, come apart uh, to a quiet place and rest. There was a, a reason for that. Uh, we live in a noisy, loud world with many voices. And like I said, many people never rest. Their home life and their work life are all mixed up together, and there's really no separation, day and night. So if God, who never gets tired or weary, decided to take a day off and rest, and he thought it was a good idea for us, then we need to start, I want us to take the first of the year here to begin to uh, practice this. You know, I'm not trying to be legalistic and be like, you know, say, well, you can't turn the light on because that's not resting or something like that. I'm not, don't read into this any more than what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be legalistic, but 
We need to have a day of rest, physical rest, not just spiritual rest, but we need to set aside some time for rest. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, I just want to mention, let's let's go back just for the moment to uh, Numbers 13, where this account of what Hebrews is talking about, uh, Numbers 13. Numbers 13, and then, you know, the leaders had come back from surveying the promised land, and they, they said, yeah, it's a great place, but, they got to verse 28, they said, but the people be uh, strong uh, that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak, or the giants. Can you hear the anxiety and the fear in their voice? Uh, and and uh, Caleb uh, goes on to say, and, and, and this fear and anxiety now is not just confined to these ten leaders. As soon as they came back with this report, it infected the entire congregation, the whole camp immediately became infected with anxiety and fear. Uh, And in verse 30, Caleb still the people before Moses. So if if you you get around somebody or in a situation where people are going wild and they're, they're losing it and they're keep going on and on and on about the situation, do the same thing Caleb did. Quiet. Quiet the people. Shut up. Let's let's don't talk about that anymore. Amen? And that's what Caleb did. Let us go up at once and possess it, for we're well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, No, we are not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report. This is not just a little disagreement between uh, Joshua, Caleb, and and this wasn't just a disagreement between the spies, really. This was really a rebellion uh, against God himself and what, what he had said. This is really a rebellion against God's word. They could not rest because of the giants and the walled cities and what they saw. And they began to focus on these natural circumstances and it caused anxiety and fear and they could not rest because of unbelief. And nothing has changed today where faith is concerned. We, we have different obstacles, but um, you know where they thought about the, the giants and the walls, uh, what what's, what do we deal with today? Symptoms, diagnosis. Uh, you know, you can think about your symptoms. You can think about your bills. Uh, same thing. Nothing's changed. Yeah, news. Nothing's changed. So, uh, and when somebody says, "Now, come on, stop watching that news. Let's." Get off that. Let's don't talk about that. Let's cast down these imaginations. 
some people may get mad just like these ten people got mad. Uh, they got mad. They were ready to stone Joshua and Caleb. You know, don't you know that we can't do this? Are you not getting it? You know, do you realize how serious this is? No. So, so uh, they could not enter this rest. And if we react the same thing, we're not going to be able to enter this rest either. Now, how did God respond to these people? Did he pamper and cuddle them? No. He said, how long are you going to wind me up? You know what I mean? Uh, they had seen the Red Sea part. They had seen water come out of a rock. They had seen food flown in without an airplane. And uh, their shoes and clothes did not wear out. So this, this wasn't really ignorance that they responded in this rebellion. They, they had seen the works of God. They were just in defiance and rebellion against the word of God, and God called it an evil report. The, the unbelief kept them from entering this rest, and the rest, the absence of the rest, kept them from entering the promised land, a place of abundance, peace, and blessing. And our promised land is a type of victorious Christian living now in this lifetime through the promises of God. A place of resting in God, resting in faith, spiritually, but also mentally and physically. We need to, to get more physical rest. Amen? And, and uh, not having home and work and everything all, all mixed up together. When you get into faith, you cast your care of how to do something over on the Lord. These, these people didn't know, how are we going to do this? Uh, and God didn't really send them there to work out how to do it. He just sent them there to uh, see the place, you know, to, to just survey it and say, yes, it's, it's a, he didn't send them there to decide whether or not they could do it. That's not why he sent them there. But that, that's the way they responded to it. So, so when we cast our care on the Lord, the Lord will show us how to do it. Amen? So we can enter that rest. And we can say all things are possible to him that believes, and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we know it wasn't the walled cities and the giants that kept them out. We know that wasn't the problem because the next generation went in, and the giants were still there, and the wall cities were still there. So we know that's not what kept them out. The devil is a defeated foe. Amen? So let's say this together. I have the peace of God. I have the spirit of rest. I don't have to take drugs. I have the greater one in me. What the devil meant for bad, God will turn for good. He always causes me to triumph. He always causes me to triumph. Amen. Amen.